You are now listening to the London International Christian Church Podcast. Now that should get you fired up in the Lord right there, amen? Let's give it up for Brother Simon Oxen right there and Paul Bussari. True AMS Ministry, Art, Media, and Sport. And of course, we've uh, we always got to give it up for our brother George Grima right there, uh, a true AMSer. Uh, and of course, if you're visiting, AMS means Art, Media, Sport. And uh, we've got to be praying as, uh, of course, uh, we just met, I believe it was Paul McCartney's son, and he is, uh, we're, we're in some communication right there uh, about him being a celebrity judge to our next talent showcase right there. So let's make sure that we're praying for that ministry right there. Amen? Jeremiah chapter 1. Jeremiah chapter 1. We're going to get into Jeremiah today. And uh, I'm I'm so fired up to be in the London International Christian Church. I'm so fired up to be in God's movement. I'm so excited to be a sold out disciple of Jesus Christ. I mean, after all, Jesus says in Matthew chapter 28, verse 18 through 20, that all authority has been given to him. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them. And of course, when he says baptizing them, he actually means baptize the nations. And so if anybody is not submitting to the authority of Jesus, they are in rebellion to God. Uh, And so it is really, as someone said, I believe it was uh, one of the speakers that shared about GLC, the call of God is for everyone. It is for every man and every woman on the face of the earth. And of course, we're going to look at this man by the name of Jeremiah, who was called by God to do incredible, incredible, radical things for the Lord. Point number one is his calling by God. The title of the lesson is Jeremiah the prophet. Jeremiah chapter one. Says the words of Jeremiah, son of Hilkiah, one of the priests of Anathoth, in the territory of Benjamin. The word of the Lord came to him in the 13th year of the reign of Josiah, son of Amnon, king of Judah. And through the reign of Jehoiakim, son of Josiah, king of Judah. Down to the fifth month of the 11th year of Zedekiah, son of Josiah, king of Judah. When the people of Jerusalem went into exile. Of course, Jeremiah was an incredible prophet. The word prophet means one who is inspired by God through the Holy Spirit to deliver a message for a specific purpose. Jeremiah was a prophet. He had a message for a specific purpose. And yet, if we are going to be the people of God to imitate the men of God, we are to be prophets. Of course, right here, this is an incredible introduction to what he has to say. And of course, I'm so, uh, I'm so encouraged by all the, the historians that have a lot to say about the gospel. And of course, I was studying out one historian, British historian, by the name of John Acton. And of course, he says, power tends to corrupt. And absolute power corrupts absolutely. He also said that history provides no compensation for suffering, nor penalties for wrong. Of course, when you study out the book of Jeremiah, you find that Lord Acton was totally right about people, but totally wrong about God, as God totally provides compensation for your suffering. He's got a purpose for everything you've gone through. And God does provide penalties for wrongs. You will get a red card from the Lord right there if you're not doing the right thing. Are you guys with me here, those football players out there? Verse 4. The word of the Lord came to me saying, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. And the church said, I saw that scripture and I realized that that scripture was not only talking about Jeremiah, but talking about me. As a sold-out disciple and to, a, to be a prophet, not only to London, but to nations right there. I'm fired up that we have our brothers and sisters right there from Amsterdam worshiping with us today. Of course, when God is talking to Jeremiah, he says, before I formed you, I knew you. 
The word new in Hebrew means more than intellectual knowledge. The word new, yada, as the Hebrew meaning is uh, explained, is also associated with the word lay that you find in Genesis chapter 4 as Adam lay with his wife. It's also associated with the word chosen that you find in Amos chapter 3 verse 2 where God's people were chosen. Of course, the word lay in Genesis 4 means an intimate relationship. The word chosen means the Lord will protect you. The Lord watches over you. Are you guys with me here? So what God is saying to Jeremiah is before I formed you, it was more than intellectual knowledge. Before I formed you, I had an intimate relationship with you. Before I formed you, I protected you. I watched over you. Does that not fire you up in the Lord? God was so loyal to Jeremiah before he formed him, to know him, to have that connection, to watch over him. Verse 6. Sovereign Lord, I said, I don't know how to speak. I'm only a child. I wish Mia said that at 3 o'clock in the morning. She doesn't, though. But the Lord said to me, do not say I'm only a child. You must go to everyone I send you and say whatever I command you. Do not be afraid of them, for I am with you and will rescue you, declares the Lord. Then the Lord reached out his hand and he touched my mouth and he said to me, Now I put my word in your mouth. See, today I appoint you over nations. He says, It doesn't matter what the nation teaches, I appointed you over the nations and kingdoms to uproot, tear down, to destroy, to overthrow, to build, and to plant right there. God called Jeremiah to be a church planter, a church builder. To destroy kingdoms that were not kingdoms of God. The word of the Lord came to me. What do you see, Jeremiah? I see a branch of an almond tree, he replied. The Lord said to me, you've seen correctly for I'm watching to see that my word is fulfilled. And of course, the Lord is watching to see that his Lord is fulfilled all around the earth. How much more so right here in London, England. I see a boiling pot tilting way from the north, I answered. Verse 14, the Lord said to me, From the north, disaster will be poured out on all who live in the land. I'm about to summon all the people of the northern kingdoms, declares the Lord. Their king will come. Set up their thrones in the entrance of the gates of Jerusalem. They will come against all her surrounding walls and against all the towns of Judah. I'll pronounce my judgment on my people because of their wickedness and forsaking me and burning incense to other gods and in worshiping what their hands have made. You know, all idol worship is created by man. God doesn't create idols. We do. Get yourself ready. God says to stuff, Jeremiah, you better get yourself ready. And that's a, that's a great thing for us here in London. We, we, we better get ourselves ready. Not only for the European Missions Conference, but to be prophets and prophetesses to nations right there. Stand up. Say to them whatever I command you. Don't be terrified of them. I'll terrify you before them. Today I've made you a fortified city. An iron pillar. A bronze wall to stand against the whole land. Against the kings of Judah. It's officials. It's priests and the people of the land. They'll fight against you, but will not overcome you. For I am with you and will rescue you, declares the Lord. And the church said, what an incredible call of God to Jeremiah. He says, don't be afraid. I'll rescue you. People will come against you. I'll stand with you gives him faith. Before I formed you, I knew you. This wasn't something some man made up. This was of God. And Jeremiah obeyed the calling of God. We've got to get a little background here on Jeremiah. Jeremiah, of course, was born during a time of very dark wickedness. He was born during the time of Manasseh. Of course, Manasseh 
who ruled when he was born, ruled for 55 years, and he taught that idolatry was okay. In fact, he even taught that Satan worship was okay. And we know right here in Camden, most Satanists live right here in Camden. But we believe that the light shines brightest where it is darkest. Not only here in Camden, but even in your own life, you may be in total darkness right now. We want to shine the light in your life to help you see that your darkness can become a light to those who are in the darkness if you change your ways and become a prophet. Manasseh was so wicked that he killed his, his own son. He sacrificed his own son. Jeremiah is called during a time of the 13th reign of the last actual righteous king of Judah, Josiah, as related as highlighted in chapter 1 here. Time is approximately about 627 B.C. This is three years after Buddha was born in India. I'm so fired up. I met a, I met a gentleman today who says, I had a dream that I, 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 need, to, I need to follow Jesus Christ. Of course, his background was Buddhist. And Anup is here today. Wherever he, there he is. He's right there, right in front of me, right there. <laughs> Jeremiah preached into the fifth month of the 11th year of Zedekiah, basically, from, basically about August 586 B.C. What are we saying here? His ministry lasted 41 years. That's a prophet. When you begin preaching a message in 41 years, it's making impact around the world. You know, I'm so fired up at my father in the faith, Kip McKean. My mother in the faith, Elena McKean. Do you realize that in the last year, all of God's churches collectively, 700 additions in only one year. 700 people came to the Lord, right? Isn't that incredible? Can you imagine seven? That's more than daily baptisms. That means Monday morning, somebody gets baptized. Monday night, somebody gets baptized. Tuesday morning, somebody gets baptized. Tuesday night, somebody gets baptized. Wednesday morning, somebody gets baptized. Wednesday night, somebody gets baptized. Thursday morning, somebody gets baptized. Thursday night, somebody gets baptized. Friday morning, somebody gets baptized. Friday afternoon, somebody gets baptized. We got Campus Devo right there on Friday night right there. Amen? That, that, that's what's happened with the message to take the gospel to every single nation in one generation. Are you willing to embrace the dream of a prophet? Are you willing to embrace that dream? Jeremiah's ministry, of course, lasted these 40 years, 41 years, some scholars believe. But not only did he embrace the dream that God gave him through the word of God, he went to jail for God. He received death threats, as we'll see in chapter 26. The name Jeremiah means the Lord exalts. Through scripture, he's, he's known, he's, he's called a prophet, though he comes from a long line of priests. Now, I'm so encouraged by our brother Blaze, who gave us such a detailed biblical teaching about what it means to be a priest right there. It inspired me, and I started digging into it myself. And, of course, to be a priest, your duties were specific, but they were different than being a prophet. In some ways, to be a priest, and, of course, Jeremiah comes from a long line of priests. Hey, uh, you, you kind of knew what you had to do. You read the law. You knew the law. The law was written down. Day after day, you had to, uh, you had to examine lepers, you know. People that don't feel, and they had this, this medical condition. You know, you can have spiritual leprosy where you don't, you don't feel anything. Well, how do you feel? Uh, I don't feel anything. You got leprosy. You got to break up that unplowed ground, as Jeremiah says, so you can begin feeling as he was a weeping prophet and felt quite a bit about the call of God. As a priest, you had to put unclean people outside of the camp, and you had to restore the clean people to the camp. As a priest, you oversaw official ceremonies. You observed how the sanctuary would be. You saw, dare we say you oversaw the church. It was very, you knew what you had to do as a priest. As a priest, you had to dress properly. Exodus chapter 28, verse 42 through 4. As a priest, you were supported by the sacrifices and the offerings. But you know what? As a prophet, you didn't get a guaranteed income. You weren't guaranteed a salary as a prophet. And in, in, in one way, the priest, most of his job was to labor to hold on to the past, what God had written down in the law, and 
to preserve the holiness of the sanctuary. We need to be priests, do we not? But the prophet's role was quite different. The prophet labored to change the present so the people could have a future. That was the call of a prophet. I want to change my environment. I don't want my environment to change me. So my people will have a future. I call you to be a prophet today. You know, it's so sad as you start thinking about what's happening in this world, specifically here in here in Europe here. I mean, uh, hey, a new law in Germany will allow parents to select what they call the third gender. Wow. You can select the third gender on a birth certificate of a child. Should your child want to identify with a certain gender in the future? Germany is also the first country in the world to pass this kind of rubbish, I mean legislation. No, rubbish. Can I get an amen on that? What does Germany need? Germany needs a prophet. Germany needs a prophet, amen, church? Of course, I found out that Ireland of... They had their first legal abortion case, and it's stirring up controversy. I think we have a few Irish in the house today. Of course, the most Irish of Irish, Nick Donnelly, he's in the house somewhere. Every time I see Nick, I say, Nick's from Ireland, Northern Ireland, bro. We've got to work on his love for his entire country right there. But Ireland needs a prophet right there. Oftentimes, the priests would get with individuals, but they didn't really get a chance to speak to to crowds. But the prophet was called to address nations. That's what his call was. Jeremiah's hometown was Anathoth, basically three miles northeast of Jerusalem. We remember, of course, in the Old Testament, who sent priests to Anath. And, of course, that was Joshua in Joshua chapter 21, verse 15 through, through 19. But, of course, prior to Joshua sending those priests, he sent some spies to spy out the land. If you turn over to Joshua chapter 14 in verse 6, it says this. Now the men of Judah approached Joshua at Gilgal. And Caleb, son of Jephunneh, the Kizanite, said to him, said to Moses, the man of God at Kadesh Barnea about you and me. I was 40 years old when the Moses, the servant of the Lord, sent me from Kadesh Barnea to explore the land. And I brought back a report according to my convictions. But my brothers who went up with me made the hearts of the people melt with fear. I, however, followed the Lord my God wholeheartedly. So that on that day, Moses swore to me, the land on which your feet have walked will be your inheritance and that of your children forever. Because you have followed the Lord, my God, wholeheartedly. And the church said, you know, this was such a powerful time where Joshua sends these spies to spy out the land. You know, I'm so fired up about the Amsterdam International Christian Church that's going to be starting next, next Sunday right there. And of course, uh, I'm not only fired up about the church, I'm fired up about all the spies that we're going to be sending on out right there. Uh, And so what what we're going to do as a church, we're we're just going to send disciples up there, and we're going to have an incredible evangelism blitz so that we can get a great fire started in Amsterdam and get a church going right there. Amen? You say, who are we going to send up there to spy out the land? Well, of course, we we got to send our intern Kia Pope on up there right there. Kia is going to Amsterdam, and she's going to be there for a couple of days evangelizing right there. Of course, uh, as, 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 as the scripture reads right there, you can still be 40 and have vision right there. We're sending James Morgan on up there to heat it on up. We're sending Michael and Maria Hart on up there to heat it on up. Of course, me and Michelle are going to go up there to heat it on up. And what encourages me personally is Javeline, who was born in Amsterdam. Javeline is coming to heat it on up. We're going to go for 100 a day and pack out the house. Miller was already getting nervous. Bro, I think we need to get a bigger building right there. What's he going to say? Bro, the Lord is near. Do not be anxious. Do not be anxious. Back to Jeremiah chapter 1. Actually, no. Turn over to Jeremiah chapter 7. Jeremiah obeyed the call of God. Yeah, Yeah, I got a question. What's your calling? What is your calling? Do you hear the call of God? Do you 
hear the call of God through the scriptures? Do you hear God calling you to be in a church where there's discipling? Because there's been no discipling. You know, we got with one of the couples there in Amsterdam, and, and, and they, just, they just broke with tears, Renee and Anita. I mean, they're, they're so incredible people. Yeah. And Renee looked me in the eye with tears. The last I was told, the Dutch don't cry very much. <laughs> but he looked me in the eye with tears and said, Brother, I haven't been discipled in 10 years. Not with the scriptures. Yes, with man's opinion, but no one's showing me the scriptures. And I, I heard about what's going on over there. And I heard the call of God. God calling you to be in a church with a vision to evangelize the nations in one generation? Is God calling you? You know, right here in London, is God calling you just to be a committed disciple? To show loyalty to God and to godly people. To show loyalty to the one that God has put directly in your life. Jeremiah obeyed the call of God. How do we know? I mean, he, he cried 41 years preaching. The word of God. He obeyed the call of God. You know, it's so sad. I was reading an, an article about a woman in Atlanta who stopped another mass school shooting. Sadly, those have become normal nowadays. You hear of a school shooting, uh, just another one. Yet this woman, she stopped this school shooting. And, of course, I took some of the, of the ad from what she said. And she says, I just started talking to the shooter. I let him know what was going on with me. And that I had challenges that forced anger out of me, but that I was going to be okay. I told him to give it all over to God. I told him I'm not a hero. And then she says, I was terrified the entire time. But you know what? She stopped the mass school shooting. She stopped it. What if she hadn't answered the call of God? What if she hadn't said anything? What if she hadn't done anything? What if she wanted to think about it for a while? What if she wanted to pray about it? Get advice about it? She just stepped up and people's lives were saved. She obeyed the call of God, which is the only option for a true Christian. That when God calls you, you obey. You obey. Are you guys with me here? Yeah. You in Jeremiah chapter 7? Yeah. We got to hit this one here. Verse 1. Check out Jeremiah's, Jeremiah's challenge to God's people. This is, what, this is the word of the Lord that came to Jeremiah from the Lord. Stand at the gate of the Lord's house and there proclaim this Message. So the Lord gave Jeremiah his sermon. Let's hear what he says. Hear the word of the Lord. All you people of Judah who come through these gates to worship the Lord. This is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel said. Reform your ways and your actions. And I'll let you live in this place. Do not trust in deceptive words and say, oh, this is the temple of the Lord, the temple of the Lord, the temple of the Lord. He said, don't say, oh, I'm coming to church on Sunday, Wednesday night, and maybe Friday night on time. Just don't say that. He says, if you really change your ways and your actions and deal with each justly, if you do not oppress the alien, the fatherless, or the widow, it's so sad. You know, London here is so many international people that come here. And yet, those who are in this country, I've, I've, I've heard negative things like, why does this country have so many foreigners here? It's not your land. It's God's land. You get rid of that nationalism. That's sin. It's not about being British. It's not about being American. It's not about being African. It's about being godly. And I tell you what, nationalism killed our former fellowship. Because I don't, I don't want an American telling me the word of God. I don't want an American telling me to be so excited. I mean, don't you know I'm British? That's, that's nationalism. Same can be said of anybody. I tell you what, Joe Willis, whoo, he, he spoke to us over there in, in the United States. He preached the word. He had everybody like this. It was, it was, it was the spirit of God working through him. Amen. 
And yet Jeremiah is addressing the people for treating the foreigners in that land without love. Says the fatherless, the widow. Do not shed innocent blood in this place. And if you don't follow other gods to your own harm, then I'll let you live in the place, in the land I gave your fathers forever and ever. But look, you are trusting in deceptive words that are worthless. Will you steal and murder, commit adultery and perjury, burn incense to Baal? Of course, that's the goddess of sex. And follow other gods you have not known. And then come and stand before me in the house which bears my name and say, we're safe. Safe to do all these detestable things. Has this house which bears my name become a den of robbers to you? But I have been watching, declares the Lord, and the church said, you know what? You know what? God's people, you know what they were doing? Oh, they were obedient. They were obedient. They were obedient, all right. They obeyed. But they obeyed without their heart. You know what obedience is without you giving your heart? It's called conformity. It's called compliance. You become very compliant, but your heart's not invested. You know what to do. You know what to say. You're just compliant. You've conformed. What does conform and compliant mean? Compliant. Inclined to agree with others or obey the rules, especially to an excessive degree. Conformity. Matching attitudes, beliefs, and behaviors to the group norm. Most people conform out of deep insecurity so that they can get security from that group. And that's in the definition. Of course, one Harvard doctor said, his name is Herbert Kelmer, he, of course, studied out conformity and, and, and compliance. And he says there's three types of conformity. There's compliance. This is public conformity. The Bible would call that people-pleasing. There's identification. Conforming to someone who's most liked in a group. Jeremiah, the prophet, would call that idolatry. Well, you're fired up and you're very obedient to that leader, but whoa, at that peer level, boy, you, you, you lack respect. You, 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 there's, 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 there's no real obedience right there. And then his third study says internalization. The Bible would call that having deep conviction. Because internalization means to accept a belief publicly and privately. Question I have for you is are you an obedient Christian or have you just complied? Have you just conformed? Do you have behavior modification or a heart transformation? I just got to ask that question. Jeremiah wasn't fooled. Just because people came to church, just because people were, Jeremiah was not fooled. He saw, he saw it. You know, let me, let me just speak directly here to us as a, as a church here. I love the London International Christian Church. I, 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 love, I, I love the church. This is my family. I'm committed to this, this, this church. My life is here. I, I, I want to do great things for the Lord right here. Right here. I have a dream that I got from the Lord through the scriptures to evangelize the nations. Do you have that dream? I think some of us in the church, you're compliant and you conform, but you're not truly obedient. You're not truly obedient. Do you really believe what we teach in private? Do you believe it? Do you do it? Our church can't be a a group where 30% believe it. 20% 20% believe it. The leaders, oh, they're, they're paid, so they're supposed to believe it. But the rest, you just conform and comply. This won't get it done, guys. We've got to be truly obedient to make disciples of every single nation. We've got to be obedient when it comes to discipling got to preach obedience for those of us that are leaders and call people to obey what the Holy Bible says. It's not, an, 
it's it's not about style or an option to obey. You know, I love my brother Ola Kukoyi right there. Of course, we had a great discipling time the other night right there. And you know how Ola is. Ola's, Ola is Mr. Smooth. I mean, after all, how do you get Denise Kukoyi right there? And, you know, he's super smooth. He's got that deep voice. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, bro. You know, that's how Ola is. And, uh, you know, he's done an incredible job with our finances. I mean, he works a full-time job. He serves. He watches over the money in the church. I mean, he does an incredible job right there. He deserves to be encouraged for all of his hard work. (laughs) Having a D time, and I said, bro, you start imitating me. He said, well, maybe that's your style right there. (laughs) And I have my style. I said, well, the Bible calls us to imitate because it says, Paul says, follow me as I follow Christ. And of course, we're not saying you need to follow my quirks and all that, but you got to follow. Well, maybe that's your style. I said, no, 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 it's not a style thing. It's an obedience thing right there. I see what you're saying. I see what you're saying, brother. I see what you're saying. I see. Oh, okay. I see, I see what you're saying right there. I see what you're saying. You know, but sometimes we, we think it's about style. And we're very disobedient in our discipling relationships. We're not really, we're not really obedient to the vision to make disciples. We're not obedient to one another. We're obedient to the one who's most popular in the group. Uh-oh, the preacher's coming. I'll obey. Can't be called to obedience by my peer. Don't want to be too much. I don't want to be too far. I want to still be. I wanna... Don't truly want to imitate. And when you don't imitate, it shows you're not really loyal. That's our second point, loyal to God. Jeremiah's loyalty to God. Jeremiah chapter 25, you guys still with me? His loyalty to God. Let's see his loyalty to God. Verse 1, chapter 25. The word came to Jeremiah concerning all the people of Judah in the fourth year of Jehoiakim, son of Josiah, king of Judah. Now, what you got to understand is the book of Jeremiah is not written chronologically, so we're going to jump to some different spots. It doesn't mean that we're jumping all over. The book isn't written chronologically right now, okay? So this particular uh, event actually happened earlier on. It says, which was the first year of Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon. So Jeremiah the prophet said to all the people of Judah and to all those living in Jerusalem, For 23 years from the 13th year of Josiah, son of Amnon, king of Judah, until this very day, the word of the Lord has come to me. I've spoken to you again and again, but you've not listened. And though the Lord has sent all his servants, the prophets, to you again and again, you have not listened or paid attention. They said, Turn now, each of you from your evil ways and evil practices. And you can stay in the land the Lord gave to you and your fathers forever. And if don't follow other gods and serve and worship them, don't provoke me to anger with what your hands have made, and I'll not harm you. But you did not listen to me, declares the Lord. And you have provoked me with what your hands have made, and you have brought harm on yourselves. Was he loyal to God? He preached the message to God, or about God, or from God. He preached the message to God's people, brother, again and again, over and over. It just did not stop. I mean, if you heard Jeremiah's preaching, you're like, this is getting uncut. He just, again and again, he confronted them with changing their ways. Of course, in Jeremiah chapter 51. what God saw Jeremiah as. In verse 20, it says, You are my war club, my weapon for battle. With you I shatter nations. With you I destroy kingdoms. With you I shatter horse and rider. With you I shatter chariot and driver. With you I shatter man and woman. With you I shatter the old man. The youth. With you I shatter the young man is maiden. With you I shatter the shepherd and the flock. With you I shatter the farmer and the oxen. With you I shatter governors and officials. Do you see yourselves as a war club for God? You're God's, you're God's tool. You're God's tool. 
he saw himself as just, wow. I am to be used by God to overthrow the wickedness of this world. 41 years loyal to God. How do you know you're loyal to God? Well, you're loyal to godly men. You can't be loyal to God but not loyal to godly men. I'm so encouraged that our brother Rob, Rob Williamson right there. Of course, Rob, is, Rob, Rob has been a disciple now for, what, about two, two months right there. Uh, so loyal. Every morning I get the text from Rob in the morning right there. Brother, have a great day. Preach the word right there. Of course, he's got a full-time job, and he's just, he's just an incredible man of God. And, and, and yet, there's an incredible story about Rob. I mean, Rob has gone through so much hell on earth. So much hell. I mean... Sadly, the darkness took him so far from God, he stopped being loyal to his God and actually started to worship Satan. He started, he, that, that's how far the darkness can take you. The darkness takes you further than you think it will take you. Yeah. Yet he still had that, 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 that little bit of faith right there in his heart about, about the Lord. He knew it was wrong. and So when he was called by God, and he studied the Bible. He became a disciple. You, you, you remember Rob becoming a disciple right there. And it was awesome. But his, but his wife wasn't there yet. She wasn't there yet. So we, we, we talked and the brothers got in there and talked and Michael Hart and this. And, and, and every time, Rob, we, we know your wife doesn't, doesn't see that it's God calling her. And, and, and it's caused arguments and fights and even the point where you guys may even go separate ways. And, and I've got to be loyal to God. So what would you tell your wife? I told her the same thing I saw in the scriptures. You told us. Told me, rather. <laughs> so, okay, it's Tuesday. What would you tell her? I told her the same thing. It's Wednesday. What'd you, I said the same thing. I said, whoa, this guy's hard line. He goes, yeah, I've got to be loyal to God. You know what that loyalty produced? His wife is getting baptized today. How loyal to God are you? How loyal to the members of this church are you? How loyal are you to your discipleship partner? How loyal are you to the leaders here? How loyal are you to the vision to evangelize the nations? How loyal are you? Are you loyal enough to sacrifice financially? How loyal are you to the call of God to evangelize the nations? Are you, are you loyal enough to raise a special missions contribution to start a church in Germany? Or are we just going to come to church and say, I'm going to tell the Lord, tell the Lord, let's clap and take notes. How loyal are you? What are we talking about? People, people are really going through things, guys. This isn't just church we're playing. We are trying to change the world. And with God, it is possible. We're not attempting to do something easy. It's hard to evangelize the nations in one generation. You know why it's so hard? Because it's hard. You know why no one's done it? Because it's hard. No one's done it since the first century church. No one's done it. And yet God has called us. It says, I'm, I'm loyal to that group. You guys have got the true gospel. you got the true message. And God has shown us. He told Jeremiah the true message. He's loyal to Jeremiah. Jeremiah held on to it for 41 years. We've got to be loyal to God. All right. We can't be conformist in the church. We can't be compliant where we just say yes and say yes, but you've got quiet reservations in your heart, and you're not really with everything. We've got to be sold completely out from the heart. Here's the great thing about the church. You can be open about anything and let your heart get discipled. You may have quiet reservations. I want to challenge you to not leave this building without saying, hey, I'm with what we're doing, heart and soul. Heart and soul. Keyword, heart. Not intellectual knowledge. Heart. Amen. You guys with me here, church? Yes. Coming in for a close here. Let's look at his boldness. Jeremiah chapter 2. Of course, when we look at his boldness, we've got to look at our boldness. Yeah. Jeremiah chapter 2. You guys still with me here? Yes. Verse 19. Check this one out. This is just one of those zingers, guys. I'm just going to read. This is one of those. This is one of those scriptures you just probably want to put a highlighter on. Check 
check this out, what he says here in verse 19. He's talking about God's people. And he says in verse 19, your wickedness will punish you. Your backsliding will rebuke you. We can just stop right there. <laughs> we can just stop right there. In verse 1 through 8, he, he nails them on their rebellion. He calls them to repent. He calls them to be righteous. And then he tells them, here, there's going to be retribution. There's going to be a consequence for your sin. You know what that scripture teaches? That scripture teaches that your own sin will disciple you. Amen. Isn't that tricky? Isn't the Lord so smooth? The Lord is smooth. He's like, ah, you're critical. I'm going to disciple you with criticality. That's what I'm going to do. I'll wait till you're at work. I'll let everyone just be critical of you. So you see yourself. Oh, you're bitter. You want to to go down that road? I'm going to disciple you with bitterness. Your own wickedness will punish you. Isn't that a challenging verse? That's what happened to God's people. They got discipled by their own sin. God let them fall into the hands of Babylon, the Babylonians, to disciple them. He let them fall into the hands of a rebellious leader because they were rebellious. And Jeremiah had the boldness to call it on out. To call it on out. We've got to be a bold church. I said we've got to be a bold church. We've got to be a church out of ourselves. Worshiping in spirit and truth. You know how you, you know, I started seeing, even going to L.A., that, man, have I, have I, I think my own sin has punished me. I haven't been as bold for the Lord as I need to. And I started seeing for myself why I hadn't been bold. And, of course, I'm naturally just kind of, I like to be, I like to get going right there if you haven't noticed. (laughs) But it's one thing to have a strong personality. It's another thing to have a strong character. Those are two different people. One thing to have a bold personality. It's another thing to have bold character. So, wow, I'm, I'm, I got a bold personality. I got, but you know how I knew I wasn't being bold? Not just the sharing of faith. My prayer life. You have insecure prayers? I was having insecure prayers. You can actually have an insecure prayer. Father, if you're up there, uh, I just, you know, I don't want to really ask kind of um, for you to, I mean, can you kind of like help us uh, baptize a few people in London? In Jesus' name, amen. Lord, help, help me to be a great leader in London, be righteous, to be, I was like, wow, that's so wimpy. Then God looks at me and just goes, you are just... Okay, you want to have wimpy prayers? I'm going to have a wimpy impact in your wimpy thinking. <laughs> Go ahead and keep those wimpy prayers. I keep throwing some wimpy miracles your way. Wimpy movement. You want to just be insecure? I'll just be insecure back to you. I, just, I, I felt it. I went to L.A. and went to the Global Leadership Conference and got a chance to pray with one of the young, the young men right there. He's bold. This guy's done nothing. Help me to be an evangelist. Help me to take over the nation. Help me. I was like... Okay. Amen. It's time for me to learn. Amen. See, you're never too old to learn. Right. You learn from everybody. Oh, yeah. And I got convicted because I saw myself when I was young. I thought, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do it for the Lord. Yet what made Jeremiah so special is he continued to preach the word right there. His boldness was so awesome. How bold have you been? You know, the Bible says the righteous are as bold as a lion. Right. How about it? How bold are you? You know, as a church, we need to just have an evangelism goal. We need to have an evangelism goal for every single member to really start getting bold and sharing. I want to challenge you to set a faith goal of how many people you're going to share your faith with on a daily basis. Now, let's not get carried away and just come up with some great number just to appease ourselves. But I tell you, radical is consistent. 
Because when you say, okay, I'm sharing my faith with 10 people every single day. Then I'm going to follow up with them. I'm going to be bold. I'm going to call out sin. I'm going to call for repentance and righteousness in my own life, just like Jeremiah did when he called those people. And because I'm bold, the Lord is going to bless me. You reap what you sow. You reap what you sow. We'll close out, lastly, with his tears. Jeremiah chapter 8. His tears. To the last point. Of course, he was known as the weeping prophet. When's the last time you cried? What makes you cry? Jeremiah chapter 8, verse 19. Listen to the cry of my people from a land far away. Is the Lord not in Zion? Is their king no longer there? Why have they provoked me to anger with their images, with their worthless foreign idols? The harvest has passed, the summer has ended, and we're not saved. Since my people are crushed, I am crushed. I mourn and horror Is there no balm in Gilead? No physician there. Why then is there no healing for the wound of my people? Oh, that my head were a spring of water and my eyes a fountain of tears. I would weep day and night for the slain of my people. Oh, that I had in the desert a lodging place for travelers so that I might leave my people and go away from them but they are adulterers a crowd full of unfaithful people I mean he just cried for the condition of God's church you know it's so awesome that we have the churches that we have but you know I think I think God cries at the number of disciples that we're making the first century church actually evangelized the nations in their generation. Colossians chapter 1. It says all over the world this gospel is bearing fruit. I look at Jeremiah's heart as he, as, as he cried. And right here it, it, it hit me because it made me really think of my heart towards the lost. And you know, I can, I can cry for something personal. But do I really cry for, for, for the city? Do I really cry? And, and I start thinking, what does it take for me to be where Jeremiah is? What does it take for my heart to break? What does it take? Of course, if we look at Europe and the things that are going on around the world, and you start looking at them and let them hit your heart, your heart will break. You look at Syria. You look at all the hundreds of kids. Of course, there's this new thing. All these kids just got killed because of chemical attacks on Syria. Children. This makes me want to cry. You see the tears in, in China as a doctor has just been caught. I read this one just yesterday. He's just been caught because he's been taking babies from, from mothers and selling them in human trafficking. You see the tears and the homosexuality as the queen right here in England embraced it. You see how bad this, this things are. You see the tears in, in England again as I just read that several dictionaries have changed the definition of marriage to include the term same sex. Your child can pick up a dictionary without you being there, open it up, to read what marriage is, and they can read in a dictionary that it includes same sex. That's what your child can read without you knowing about it. Now listen, God loves everybody. People that have that background, including a lot of my family members, I, I love them, and God loves them. But love, but, but God's love being unconditional doesn't mean a relationship with him doesn't have conditions on it. God's love is unconditional, but a relationship with him is totally conditional. 
I think of those things and it, it just makes me cry. I think of my daughter not being a disciple. I can relate to Jeremiah's tears. I think of the, the disciples in this room that have gone through so much. And I can relate to his tears. What does it take to break your heart? You know, broken people baptize people. Because you can relate to the pain that's out there. When you're broken, when your heart is just soft, and you can cry at the condition of this world, that's a person that can change this world. That's a, that's a, that's a woman who can change this world. I want to challenge you to cry. I want to challenge you to start crying about this world. To start crying about what's going on. Right before our eyes, guys. I want to challenge you to invest your heart into the church. Where you can actually you can actually cry at, at, at the devastation that Satan has played out in this country. And those tears produce a commitment that cannot be rivaled. In closing, a poem that really highlights the life of Jeremiah, his ministry. And I look at this poem and I go, I want, I want it to highlight my life and my ministry. Of course, this poem is by James Russell. And he penned these words talking about the present crisis that we are in. See, evangelizing the nations in one generation, this, 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 this isn't just a cool thing. This is because we are in crisis. For mankind are one in spirit. And an instinct bears along round the earth's electric circle the swift flash of right and wrong. Whether unconscious or conscious, yet humanity's vast frame through its ocean-surrendered fibers feels the gush of joy in this world's shame. In the gain or loss of one race, all the rest have equal claim. Once that every man and nation comes to the moment to decide in the strife of truth with falsehood for the good or the evil side. Some great cause, God's Messiah, offering each the bloom or blight, parts the goats upon the left hand and the sheep upon the right. And the choice goes forever. That darkness battles the light. Brothers and sisters, let's invest our heart Amen. to evangelize the nations in this generation. To God be all the glory. We would like to thank you for listening to that episode of the podcast. If you would like video versions of these episodes, whether it's sermon highlights or interviews, feel free to check us out on our website or view them on our YouTube channel. That's londonchurch.org.uk. That's L-O-N-D-O-N-C-H-U-R-C-H.org.uk. And for all other updates and information, whether it's services, events, or devotionals, you can find all that on our website also. Once again, we'd like to thank you for listening and we'll catch you on the next one.